live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. As I said a moment ago, I, I understand that, that we have a long way to go in this country when it comes to race relations. We have a long way to go where it comes when it comes to police community relations. And and to that extent, I, I think it's it's positive to have a dialogue and try to figure out how we can make things better and at the same time not go through the looking glass into just just crazy town. And it is what always happens when you have legitimate discussions and legitimate needs. Oftentimes, we, we get hijacked by the, the silly stuff. You know, we, we get hung up again on, on kind of the, the silly things that just kind of make you shake your head. And there's going to be a theme running through at least the first uh, hour and a half of today's program. All right. Story starts out All right now. Now, Gru, this is a test for you. The, the term antebellum, which, you know, you, you perhaps hear a lot. Do you know what antebellum, you know what antebellum means? Before war. Before war, right. It, it, it is this Latin term. It means before war. And you often hear it applied to the antebellum south. And, and in most contexts that you hear, it applies to, like, architecture. For example, if you go to a, a number of southern cities, you go to... You go to Charleston, you go to Savannah, and they will have tours of, of the city and particular districts in the city, and you will see these big old houses that are a, a symbol uh, of what architects call ante, the antebellum south. They're the old style, big, big homes and, and things like that. You will also hear the term antebellum referred to in, in descriptions of, again, the, the pre-war south. Gone with the Wind, which is now apparently a, a show that is a movie that is so controversial that it can't be shown on on HBO Max unless there is an appropriate description and a, a response to it. Gone with the Wind was a movie that, at least in part, depicted the antebellum South. Now, it, it had an admittedly romanticized view of the antebellum South, but it was a a movie based on a book. That depicted, you know, a, a particular lifestyle prior to the Civil War. That that is the term antebellum. It, it's not, it, it's not a prejudicial term. It's not a bad word in and of itself. It's just a word that describes a type of architecture. It's a world word that describes an era. All right. So why do I bring this up? There's a musical group. Country music group, Lady Antebellum, at least until yesterday, they were Lady Antebellum. Lady Antebellum, it's, it's very, very popular. It's three performers, two guys and a gal. Yesterday, they decided they are no longer going to be anti, Lady Antebellum because, well, they have decided that in choosing the name Lady Antebellum, they are now regretful and embarrassed 
that they did not take into account the associations of the period of history before the Civil War, which includes slavery. All right. Now, the name was chosen by the group years ago, and it originated from the southern antebellum-style homes where they, they took a lot of their, their first photos at, as a band. So that's why it's Lady Antebellum. But now they have decided, oh, oh my gosh, even the word antebellum, because it has ties not just to architecture, but it has ties to, I don't know, the pre-war South, somebody somewhere might find it offensive, so we are no longer going to be anti Lady Antebellum, we are now simply going to be Lady A, because we don't want anybody to be offended. I guess my response to this would be, if there's anybody out there that was really offended by the name Lady Antebellum, They've got more problems than the name of, of the band. And as somebody who appreciates that we have a long way to go when it comes to race relations and who also, you know, appreciates that you need to be more sensitive in, you know, dealing with each other. If you're offended by the name Lady Antebellum, I, I'm, I'm telling you, there, there's, you're one of those people that's waking up every day with that chip on your shoulder, just hoping that somebody is going to knock it off. But, all right, we've now solved this crisis. Lady Antebellum is no more. The band is staying together, but they are Lady A. Something that may or may not stay together. All right. Maybe you've heard this if you have kids. Yes, Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol is a cartoon. Now, let's just start off with that. It, it's a cartoon that airs on Nickelodeon. And what it features is a, it's a cartoon, So, but it features a human character in a cartoon form, and it features six adorable pups um, who fight crime. Did I mention it's a cartoon? All right, one of the the principal characters on Paw Patrol, and all the different pups have like different costumes and stuff that that they wear. One of one of the pups, one of the leads in Paw Patrol, is a a. Did I mention it's a cartoon? Is a cartoon German Shepherd named Chase, who ha- has a police outfit on. So that that is the character. Now, I swear, hand in my air, in the air, I am not making this up. And by the way, if you want to see one of the many stories about that, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Day and a half ago, the New York Times published, well, an opinion piece on Paw Patrol. The thing says, the, the headline is, the protests come for Paw Patrol. A backlash is mounting against depictions of good cops 
on television and in the street. It was only a matter of time before the protest came for Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol is a children's cartoon about a squad of canine helpers. It is basically a pretense for placing household pets in a variety of cool trucks. The team includes Marshall, a firefighting Dalmatian, Rubel, a bulldog construction worker, and Chase, a German shepherd who is also a cop. In the world of Paw Patrol, Chase is drawn to be a very good boy who barks stuff like, Chase is on the case, and all in a police pup's day, as he rescues kittens in his tricked-out SUV. Last week, when the show's official Twitter account put out a bland call for black voices to be heard, commentators came after Chase. Euthanize the police dog, they said. Defund the Paw Patrol. All dogs go to heaven except the class traitors in the Paw Patrol. It's a joke, but it's not. And then it goes on to talk about how there are petitions that are out there trying to, uh, again, go after cop shows because they present the police in a good light. And you you saw this. The TV show Cops was canceled after uh, by by Paramount TV after 33 years. Yesterday we talked about it. Live uh, PD, a show that is one of the highest rated cable shows on A&E, that was canceled in the wake of controversy. And now, but those were at least like quote unquote reality sort of shows. This is a cartoon, but it portrays the police in a favorable light. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, here is my question. In this era of our the necessity to be concerned about police overreaction and police abuse, are we now at a point where television shows, fictionalized or cartoon, that depict the police in a positive fashion, are, are those too controversial to be on the air? Are, are they, I don't know, just inherently racist, I guess, in their portrayal? I mean, and, and, and what about the shows that we all grew up with? I mean, what about Barney Miller or Hawaii Five O or Dragnet? What about the Andy Griffith show that certainly has, I mean, Andy, you know, Sheriff of Mayberry, certainly portrayed in a very, very positive light. You know, we all want to live in Mayberry, and we all want to have police, not necessarily like Barney, but like Andy. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do we need to get Paw Patrol and its ilk off the air? 855-616-1620. Back with your calls in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I swear conversations like this just make my head want to explode. In our, our desire to be politically correct and our desire to embrace embrace the cancel culture, it, it's not enough to go after, quote-unquote, reality TV shows that present the police in a, in a positive light. But now we, we have to say, okay, well, Paw Patrol, a Nickelodeon cartoon that presents the police in a positive light, well, I, I'm not sure we should be showing that. Or what about all these other TV shows? I mean, at one point in time, you know, about 60% of the, the shows that were on network TV were police slash legal dramas. Um, all right. Do, do, we, do we now have to go back and cancel all of those shows? Let's start with Chris in Whitefish Bay. Chris, you're on WTMJ. 
Hey, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Um, You know, yesterday I was walking around and our neighbor's kid had a Paw Patrol shirt on and I started to literally shake. Now, of course, I'm kidding, right, Jeff. You're but, right. Um, I, I, I think, unfortunately, we the pendulum has swung so far so quickly that this is not out of the realm of possibility to have a show. You know, maybe they move it to a later time. They don't really show it in prime time, as far as kids' shows are concerned. Maybe we have to put a parental when, warning on this. It, it depicts actions that glorify catching criminals. So, you know, be warned. That might offend some people. Well, and now Nickelodeon, I don't know if you know, but they also, they did a uh, a, a Black Lives Matter uh, stance a couple of days ago where they blocked out uh, programming for uh, nine minutes um, mm-hmm. and ran a continuous loop message about their stance on it. And that was fine. Sure. I, you know, obviously that, you know, that was fine to, to see that. And we talked about it with our kids, but to start memory holding all of these things like uh, Paw Patrol. And then there's another show called Peppa Pig where they have Mrs. Squirrel, who is a police officer. And obviously they have positive interactions with the kids with her. Is that going to be gone next? And uh, unfortunately, when you do now have uh, stations like or channels like Nickelodeon taking a stance like this, in order to live up to that, you know, they probably are seriously considering this. Now, whether it happens or not, I don't know, but I there is definitely conversations happening at that level. Oh, I know. You're, you're exactly right. This is not it is not a joke. And I'm with you. I don't know that it is going to happen, but it, it is definitely a conversation. And and again, this isn't a, a reality TV show. It's a cartoon where you a bunch of talking dogs catch bad guys and rescue kittens from trees in their fancy cartoon cars. And this, and this, this is getting people uh, upset. Uh, Jeff, my five-year-old grandson loves Chase from Paw Patrol. He has Chase toys, pajamas, t-shirts, and socks. If they make it involving Chase, he has it. He didn't even know what racism is. Truly sad that people would want to ban Chase just to further their own agenda. Well, that's it. Jeff, how are we as a society letting a small group vilify all of law enforcement? This is like an episode of the Twilight Zone. And, and, you know, to an extent, I, I agree with that. And in saying that, I think all of us would acknowledge that, you know, there are problems with police community relations. And I think everybody acknowledges, you know, what happened in Minneapolis two and a half weeks ago w- was very, very wrong. But now we have taken this and we've decided, okay, this is going to be the launching point for our, our war on the police. All the police are inherent, police are inherently bad. Police are inherently racist. Police are, are out there. They are a detriment to society. And to the point that we can't even have television shows that show police officers doing their job. Jeff, I think the comments about Paw Patrol are utterly ridiculous. This is a wonderful children's cartoon in which the characters do nothing but good neat deeds. Children of that age know nothing of issues with some police officers or racism. Why should we put this in their vocabulary? vocabulary by removing the chase character my grandchildren absolutely love the show jeff and this is in capital letters this is a severe overreaction i'm just so over all of this which raises another very interesting point like i say i I think all of us should be sympathetic to a number of the issues that are raised in these discussions but you know the problem is people overplay their their hand and when we start 
of obsessing about, oh, well, well, people can't watch the movie Gone with the Wind. Or here, we're, we're going to take over a, a six-block area of a city, and, and we're going to demand, we're going to declare this is a police-free zone, and, and we're, we're going to have our own little, like, anarchist government there. Okay, that's the point in time where I think a lot of people, fair-minded people, look at this and say, I, I don't want to be part of this particular group. And again, you do wonder where the where the line is. Jeff, are you kidding me with Paw Patrol? No, you want to see the story again. And there's lots of stories out there, but the New York Times is focusing on it. Um, and follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I've got a list. What's next? You know, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I don't know. I'm sure you could find something about all this that is uh, offended. Um, let's see. Of all the shows you mentioned, I'd say Barney Miller should be the safest. It seemed to do its best to address issues of its time and carry a diverse cast. All right. I, I, I like Bar- Barney Miller, but keep in mind, you know, um, Hal Linden, who played Barney Miller, he was, he was pursued, perceived as understanding. He was like, this is the guy that, that people should want to aspire to, to be a police officer. Well, in the minds of some people, nobody should aspire to want to be a police officer. I bring this up simply because we now see the cancel culture run amok. And if you think it's going to stop with Paw Patrol, I think you're mistaken. It only is going to stop when there starts to be a backlash and people say, hey, we've gone too far. We understand the goals. We support the goals. But now you have these people that have just gone through the looking glass. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The world really has gone crazy on, on so many different levels. I just sent out a, an, another tweet, and again, it's this, you follow me at Jeff Wagner 620, because there's some of these things that you just, I understand, I say them on the radio, and you go, that, that can't that can't be the, the case. Here, here's another one of these deals. Now, I understand that words matter, and I understand that there are, are charged words that, that might have been acceptable years and years ago but but now you don't use them anymore because we we've moved forward as 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 a culture and i i get it i understand that times change things evolve but at the same time occasionally there are things that just have me shaking my my head um the the executive editor of the los angeles times was apparently on on PBS last night or two nights ago, and they were having a conversation about covering the protests, covering the demonstrations, covering these things. And in the L.A. Times and other papers, in addition to pointing out there were peaceful protests, one of the things that they also described was the fact that there there was looting that was going on. And they used that term because, you know what? There was looting going on. So... What the executive editor said is that, well, we're, we're having a discussion in the newsroom as to whether or not we should use the term looting to describe the destruction of property. So when people bust out the window of the liquor store, rush in through the plate glass window and start running out with cases of booze, all right, what what term would you use to describe that if it wasn't looting? When some when a bunch of of people 
bust through the door of the shoe store and come running out with boxes of high-priced shoes. What is that if it's not looting? But apparently, and I swear I don't make this up. Again, I sent a link to the story if you follow me on Twitter. Um, one, This is what he says. One of the active debates we had over the past week was about using the word looting to describe the destruction of property. The feeling among some black journalists at the L.A. Times who frankly educated the rest of us to the fact that looting had a pejorative racist connotation and comparing it to the kind of behavior of the police was the kind of behavior that we witnessed recently was a false equivalency. And yet it was one that we were making as journalists if you picked up a copy of our paper. Let's go back. Looting has a pejorative racist connotation. Huh? Looting is looting. I mean, people of people of all races loot things. It's not something that is unique to white people or black people or Hispanic people. Looting is looting. And yet the idea is, well, it's got a pejorative racial connotation. Huh? At the same time, he goes on to talk about another word that we're considering not using anymore is rioting. We don't want to put the word riot out there because, again, that has a a pejorative racist connotation. Riot falls into a similar category. So we're thinking that we're no longer going to use the words riot and we're no longer going to use the word looting because somebody somewhere might be offended. Now, offended. Now, again, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I sent out a link to the story because I understand you hear this and you go, Jeff, this is just nutsy cuckoo. No, nobody could really be saying this. Yes, yes, they are. This is the discussion that is going on in newsrooms. We, we can't call. We can't say that, you know, there were riots that broke out. We can't say people were engaged in rioting because, I don't know, it might be offensive to some people. We can't say people were looting even though they were looting. Why? Because some people might be offended by that. I pose the question on Twitter. So if the L.A. Times is discussing whether it should continue the terms to lose, to use looting or rioting, my question is, moving forward, Okay, how am I supposed to describe looting and rioting? I mean, what what terms are we supposed to use when you see somebody or a group of people who busted out the window of that that liquor store and they're rushing in there and they're running out with that or they've they've broken into the Target store and they're running out with TVs? If I can't call that looting, what am I supposed to call it? I don't know. Self-help? I what 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 exact opportunism? What what phrases are we supposed to use if we can't say looting is looting? Rioting, what are we supposed to say when people are engaged in a riot? What are we supposed to say? I, I bring these questions up because this is a legitimate debate that, that is going on. And apparently there's very, very educated people who are, well, maybe we shouldn't say looters anymore because it, it might be offensive to some group of people. To, to me, you call them like you see them. And I don't care who it is. I don't care what color they are. If people are engaged in rioting, you call them rioters. If people are engaged in looting, you call them looters. And we stop worrying about the political correctness that, gee, some people who are engaging in antisocial and illegal behavior might be offended by that (sighs) heavy sigh okay when we come back what is chaz and why in the world are authorities allowing it to continue we discuss this is jeff wagner on wtmj and 
number of people are on the text line and responding to the Twitter account. I mean, again, I say this almost semi-seriously. Semi if, if the terms looting and rioting, which to me are race-neutral terms, but in the word, in the view of, of some journalists, have now they have they have racist connotations. How how do you describe how do you describe looting and rioting when they are engaged in by by people, regardless of what the the racial background is? Um, somebody says pillaging. Um, okay, you know, uh, it's another text. Nineteen eighty four is here. Only the um, thought police aren't from their government. They're from a vocal activist minority of people and private businesses. Um, <clears throat> Jeff, enough is enough. We have a group dictating what is acceptable to watch and say, this is America. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, the, the, the company I work for is now calling what has happened over the past few weeks community activity. And to which I would say some of it is community activity. But other parts... Are, and, and you can argue about how big a part it is, but other parts, not community activity, it's rioting and it's looting. Um, Jeff, I don't want uh, looting. I call it stealing. Okay, well, all right. <laughs> there, there you go. Okay. Now, let us switch gears. Speaking of, of rioting, looting, authorities losing control, you know, we've talked about over the course of the last couple of days what the world would look like. If if you really went along with some of the, the complete left-wing whack jobs out there and you did, in fact, defund and disband the police. Now, I understand that there's some people who are trying to walk back what defund the police means. Now, to me, defund the police means defund the police. But there, there's some people saying, well, we don't really mean get rid of the police. We mean let's hit their budgets and let's have less cops and more social justice people. Okay, that's fine. There's other people out there who, who legitimately view the police as an occupying force and they want them out of communities. You know, one of the groups that pushes an agenda like that is this Freedom Inc. out in Madison that is funded largely by our taxpayer dollars. But they, they view the police as an occupying force. Let's get the police out of, of our neighborhoods. The world would be a better place in their view i think again that's that's just what's the word i'm looking for oh yeah nuts it's just flat out nuts and you're starting to see that in in seattle there's a couple cities across the country which have just lost control of of the cities portland is one where they've lost control seattle is another now perhaps you have heard of of chaz c-h-a-z chaz is an acronym it stands for capitol hill Autonomous Zone, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. What has happened is it is a six-block area of downtown Seattle that has been taken over by protesters. The police, and I saw the police chief on, on Good Morning America today, and the police chief is trying to, to, to parse words here. She says, well, we, the, the police didn't abandon the police station. But what we did is we moved people out because it was getting too dangerous. Okay, now we can argue about, you know, you say potato, I say potato. But the bottom line is there's a district police station in Seattle, and they essentially pulled all the cops out of that. And right now the the demonstrators have moved in. They have barricaded streets. They have, you know, however many demonstrators they have that are there, they have taken over this six-block radius. They are not letting – they're they're restricting access. 
There are people that are wandering the streets with guns trying to provide um, security. At, so it, it's kind of like, in some cases, it's the rise of the warlords. You know, So they're providing security for some of the bez, uh, businesses that are there. You have um, some people who've moved in with like medical help. There's some people who are moving in and providing food. But essentially, what they, they've done is they have uh, allowed this area to be taken over by the police. People pitching tents, painting, watching outdoor movies, holding gatherings, um, and they're they're just, um, in order to get in there, you, you have to show an ID. They've essentially taken over this six-block radius. President Trump says, hey, to the mayor and to the governor, you need to get control of this or, you know, we're going to be moving in. The, the governor says, OK, you're not welcome. The mayor says, go back to your bunker. Meanwhile, she completely lost control of the six block area of the city. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I, has the world gone crazy? I, I mean, seriously, I, I it you know, in Madison... At the beginning of the the protests, you had the the mayor who essentially lost control of the city and told the police, you're outnumbered, don't don't stop people from burning things, don't stop people from looting. Oh, there I go, I use that word again. But and just will you know but but that was at least a a semi temporary thing because they didn't want to antagonize the situation and they felt they were quote unquote outgunned by the the, the protesters, not necessarily with guns, but just outnumbered. But in, in Seattle, they they have now for a matter of days turned over a six block area of the city to these these protesters and they're letting them do pretty much whatever they want to do. The police have bailed on this. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. The city is providing trash pickup and portable restrooms that are serviced daily. Uh, okay? Um, that's that, that which is all well and good. So they are enabling this type of behavior. Look, I understand peaceful protest. I understand desire for change. But do we really want to live in a world where you have elected officials that just simply turn over the six blocks of a major metropolitan city and allow the protesters to occupy it? What the heck is going on there? The police chief, again, I saw her on Good Morning America today. She's she's trying not to hack off the mayor. But she's you can tell she's kind of angry and frustrated because she's like, well, we didn't really abandon this. Um, but but, yeah, we're 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 not we're not in there. Yes, they, they have taken over our police precinct. What? How, how do you let this happen? And why do you continue to let it happen? And what good can come from it from it? Eight, five, five, six, one, six, one, six, twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in just a moment. <laughs> Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, isn't it ironic they are controlling their borders by controlling who comes in? Sounds like President Trump and his wall with immigration. Well, you've kind of got that going on. Th- this area, it's it's um, 
I'm trying to think of a parallel around here. Think maybe Water Street. I mean, that that's, I mean, bustling bars and restaurants and things like that, maybe not so much anymore. They're not allowing vehicles to come into this. They, they've, you, you have these people, these anarchists, who have taken over a six-block radius area in, in a major U.S. metropolitan city, and the mayor is letting them do it. The governor is letting them do it. How nuts is that? Jan in Pewaukee. Jan, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. This is Jan, and the reason I'm calling is our, uh, I love my, the United States, and I feel that um, our United States was built on the Declaration of Independence, and it was also built on the Constitution. There are amendments in the uh, Constitution which basically are stating, and also the Bill of Rights, that we can have peaceful demonstrations, and I have not basically seen that for the most part across the country. I feel many people see no one stepping up to say, this is wrong, something needs to be done, and especially now with the state of Washington. Washington state... Is, is, is kind of out of control. Now, thanks to call, Jen. Now, see, where I disagree with you, I, I think that the protests in general have been peaceful. But, but of course, there have been elements of the protests that have devolved into, oh, I'm going to use that word again, looting and that other word, rioting and things like that. But, you you know, this is, this is a takeover. It's, it's, it's a takeover of, of six blocks in a major city. And meanwhile, you have the mayor that is sitting there just kind of twiddling her thumbs watching this go on. You have the police chief who is in this embarrassing performance on Good Morning America saying, well, we really didn't abandon our district. We just, um, we, we just left the building and we haven't been able to get back in. Well, you know, oh, okay. That, there's your respect for law and order. Let's talk to Connie in Portage. Connie, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, I have a question. I, I'm really thinking about this. Uh, if the president did send in the military, and what is to prevent it from becoming like a Tiananmen Square? And I don't know what they possibly could do. They'll be taking pictures. Uh, the protesters will really, they'll really, you know, they'll be laying on the ground. They'll do all sorts of things. Their hands are tight. I wonder what, a, what they could possibly do. Well, I mean, I'm thanks. I'll give you an idea. And by the way, I I am, I, as I as I said a couple of weeks ago, even though the president has the authority to to bring in the military, I think that's a bad idea. Whether it's here or whether it's in Washington or whatever, I, I think you depend on civilian authorities. That's what you have the National Guard for. That's what you have police departments in in for. Um, I, I don't think you use the military. So I, I'm not an advocate of that. But it, it is interesting. A number of our texters are making this point. Jeff, the dictionary defines autonomous as having the freedom to control your own affairs. I have an idea, and a number of people are making this point. Cut off the water, cut off the electricity, cut off cell phone services, and let them figure it out for themselves. And actually, that that's... I, I, that's that's how you do it. You mean you want to talk about moving people along? That's a very good example of something that you can do. You just say, okay, th- this this is fine. No more water. We're, we're not providing public restrooms anymore. You are illegally occupying public space. So this is it. 
we're, we're not going to provide these public services. We're not bringing the porta potties in anymore. Um, you you, you want to be autonomous? Fine. We're turning off the electricity. We're turning off the water. And, and my guess is pretty soon most people are going to start to, you know, go, go home when it's no longer fun. And I, I do think, you know, even without doing that, you, you march the police back in. I mean, that that's you. You you can't allow the mob to drive the police out of their police station. You just cannot do that. And so what you do is if you need a show of force, you bring the police. And if they need to be escorted by the National Guard, you call them in. You knock down the barriers that are blocking public road access on public roads. And you, you go in. You reestablish the, the police. If people resist and block you, well, then you take them into custody. Hopefully they won't. And hopefully cooler heads will prevail. But this idea that we're just going to we're going to create our own little autonomous six block area and you know we're not going to have to worry about anything well okay try it with no cell phone service try it with no electricity try it with no water my guess most people will decide it's not as cool an idea and they will end up going home back with more in just a couple minutes this is jeff wagner live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now wtmj's jeff wagner Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. All right. Well, I know we're not supposed to use the word looting, and we're not supposed to use the word rioting because some people might think it has bad connotations. Well, that, you know, that, that's that's all well and good because you shouldn't loot. You, you should engage in a riot. Um, we had, as part of the protests in Milwaukee, we had people who did engage in, in looting. It was a small percentage, but still, it, it was... It was significant. There were businesses that were looted. It was worse in other parts of the the country. Madison was bad as well. All right. Now, I bring this up because the, the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office has issued charges against a small fraction of the number of people who were engaged in in looting. Um, there's, there's actually 10 people have been charged with with burglary. Ten people have been charged. Now, I, I could open up the phone lines and I could say, can you name one of those people that has been charged with burglary? And I, and I, I won't because nobody would call in because we, we don't know. You, you, I, I had to search. There, there, at least, you know, Channel 6 had a story where they, they issued, they talked about how there's been ten people that are issued, been, uh, that have been charged with looting. Um, and these are just the charges. Terry Gilbert, 26, burglary of a building or dwelling. Lamont Nelson, 48, burglary of a building or dwelling. Samuel Daniels, 18, burglary, building or dwelling. Desmond Givens, 18, burglary, building or dwelling. Marcus Coleman, 31, burglary, building of dwelling. Isaiah Allen, 26, same charge. Octavian Miller, 26, same charge. Jerry Burks, 25, same charge. Marissa Jones, 19, same charge. Amandre Brooks, um, same charge, party to a crime. All right. Now, that's that's 10. Apparently, it's it is just a small portion of the people who were responsible for for looting. For example, the same Fox 6 story quotes a a business person who's the owner of something called Trend Benders. Um, He says, everything here was full in my business. Everything has been taken out. All my tables are empty. This is 35th and Capitol. So this is one of the stores that was wiped bare. The owner white watches the surveillance video. He couldn't believe what he sees. You know, we're estimating that we, we lost between six and $700,000 in, in inventory. And so far, 
that the district attorney's office has charged 10 people. Well, you, you know the looting, the theft, the burglary, much more widespread than, than that. And whether there's going to be additional charges, I, I don't know. But you had a certain segment of the people who used the protests as an opportunity to go out and to engage in sort of the, their own civic self-help. Here, we're going to go into these buildings. I've, I really like those new shoes. Here, this is going to be my chance to get it. And at least among the people that have been charged, you couldn't name any of them. It's It's not gotten a ton of attention and as a matter of fact it's been i think downplayed because that the message is we want to underscore the fact that these protests have been largely peaceful so it it sends a mixed message if in the media they also point out that there was looting and rioting and things like that going on so you you can't you probably don't know any of the people who've been charged with stealing stuff there is one alleged criminal in milwaukee that everybody knows their name. It, it's it's like Cheers. You know, Cheers was a place where you go in, everybody knows your name. There is one person who has been charged just today now with, with crimes that everybody knows that person's name. Gru, do you want to play with this? You know who that one person is? That everybody, you're looking at me blank. Okay, I, I, I'll give you a hint. It's the female lawyer from Shorewood, 64-year-old Stephanie Rapkin who um, last week, uh, and I, I should say this, I, I do, I, I don't, if I've ever, if I ever met her in the course of my legal career, I do not remember, don't, don't know her. I, I have, at least to the best of my knowledge, I do not know who she is. She's, um, she practices like trust and estate law. She's got an office in, in Mequon. I, again, I, if I've ever met her, I do not recall, but everybody knows her. Because of, of what happened last weekend. And, and by the way, if, if you look at her background, this is one of these interesting things. This isn't like a Republican operative. She is, at least according to fundraisers that she's hosted and things like that, she, she's a, a liberal, short, liberal lawyer from Shorewood who is apparently trying to drive, driving her car. She's trying to turn into a, a uh, a business can't get in there because it's kind of blocked by protesters. Instead of turning around and going back, she gets out of the car, gets into a, a confrontation with a protester, and then in a in a moment that just kind of absolutely defies any sort of belief, she hauls off and she pits she spits on one of the the protesters who turns out to be a seventeen year old young man, uh, a person of color. All right. So this is all this is all captured on on videotape. There's no question the incident occurred. There's perhaps an issue as to what led up to it. But but she spits on the kid. And under no circumstances is that going to be appropriate. Then what happens is the the next day, protesters go over to her, her house and then she comes out of the house and kind of confronts some of the people who are chalking messages on her, her sidewalk. Um, at that point in time, the, the incident sort of ratchets up. The Shorewood police come, and as they're hauling her off, she allegedly knees one of the police officers in the groin. Okay, so this lady is having a really bad couple days. There, there, there's no question uh, about it. But she didn't break into stores, and she she didn't... She didn't pull out guns and shoot people. She didn't light stuff on fire. She 
gets into an argument with one of these protesters, and she engages in the reprehensible act of spitting on on the protester. And it's made worse by the fact that it's a 17-year-old kid. I mean, who spits on a 17-year-old kid, regardless of, of what their, their race is? And then the next day, you, you make it worse by, again, confronting the protesters. And then when the police come, you struggle with them, and you allegedly need somebody, one of the police officers in the groin. She has now been charged today with two crimes. First of all, she's charged with battery to a law enforcement officer. That would be for kneeing, allegedly kneeing the police officer in the groin. That is a felony. She's also been charged with disorderly conduct for spitting on the kid. But they've added a hate crime enhancer saying that she was motivated because out of like racial animus. And that makes it a, a felony with a maximum of a two-year prison sentence. Now, the, the, the state's going to have to prove it was racially motivated. So she's looking at up to seven years in prison, five years for kneeing the police officer in the groin, two years for, for spitting on the, on the protester. Again, the police, though, with that hate crime enhancer, the, the government's going to have to prove that she was racially motivated in doing that as opposed to just just hacked off that the protesters were blocking her ability to get into a um, in, into a store. Our, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Obviously, right now, Stephanie Rapkin is the perhaps the most well-known alleged criminal in southeastern Wisconsin, maybe in the entire state, over the uh, as over the course of the last couple weeks, I think clearly there was misconduct here on her part, and clearly authorities need to do something. My question is: two felonies. Does that strike you as being appropriate, or is that overkill? Under the circumstances, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Is she being overcharged for what she ended up doing? Um, One of the questions I have is, for example, if there is a protester out there who spits on a police officer, is that person going to be charged? Not necessarily with a hate crime enhancer, but are, are they going to be charged with, with a crime? And will the city attorney's office process that? I'm asking, does this strike you as overkill or is this completely appropriate? And by the way, no, nobody's going to justify this woman's behavior. At least I hope nobody justifies this woman's behavior. The question is, are these two felonies? Is this is this a, are these felonies that result in somebody perhaps going to prison for seven years? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I don't I don't think anybody can look at what this sixty four year old attorney in Shorewood is depicted shown doing on on video and i don't think anybody can countenance it now she's looking at seven years in in prison though felony assault charges to a a police officer um for for assault which makes me again i i raise this question i mean what about the people that were throwing bottles at at the cops and stuff like that i i haven't seen the charges against those people and it would seem to me that throwing bottles at police officers is, is is just as 
much a, a felony assault as I, again trying to knee a police officer in the groin as as you're calling off. And I'm not I'm not endorsing what she did. What she did was clearly wrong. As far as the the spitting situation, um, disorderly conduct definitely the hate crime enhancer. Uh, you're going to have to prove that it, it was they're going to have to prove that it was racially motivated as opposed to the, these protesters. She's just having a bad day, got mental issues, whatever. And these protesters are are not getting out of her way. Eight, five, five, six, one, six, one, six, twenty. Should she have been charged? Absolutely. Disorderly conduct? Absolutely. All right. Is it a hate crime, though? Let's start with Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how you doing today? Hey, you know what? These uh, peaceful protesters are taught to go right up to the line, to be as aggressive as you can to try and draw responses from people. And unfortunately, this older lady uh, was probably scared with what was going on with all these protesters around there, with this crowd of people charging her. She did what she did. Uh, I'm not condoning it, but that was her defense to what these Peaceful protesters are taught to do, to be aggressive, to push it right up to the line. Mm-hmm. And I know cops that have been hurt um, making legitimate arrests. And for the DA to, to charge assault on a police officer, more often than not, the DAs are, are downcharging that or trying to, to poo-poo that. If you take away the racial components of this, you don't get hate crime. You don't get these well, charges. Well, well, no. Well, thanks. Well, no. I mean, I mean, you take away the racial component, you don't get the hate crime. I mean, that's that's it. They're they're going to have to prove that there was a racial animus, and it's it's. I mean, I don't know what evidence they have of this. Whether that she was like spouting racial slurs or something when she ended up spitting. Um, it, the, the hate crime thing is going to be tough, I think, to prove because you have to prove the intent there. It, it, disorderly conduct, absolutely. To me, that that's a dead bang winner. You raise an interesting choice too about the the, the sort of assault charges, and, and that's my question. I mean, it is going to be, it, and it, is this now going to be the policy? And and again, I should you try to knee a police officer in the groin? Of course not. Of course not. But okay, that's fine. Is this now the the standard that? Everybody else who in confrontations with the police, just let's say locally, over the course of the last two weeks, um, are, are they now going to be charged with felonies? I mean, are we are we going to say, OK, th- these are the people that threw the bottles at the cops. All right. This is it. We're going to now charge them with felonies. And I'm fine with that. I, I, I am because that's an assault, too. Uh, but if we're not. Then I think you have to say, okay, well, why, why are we going after this lady and not going after other people? And I am not in any way, shape, or form endorsing the behavior of this attorney. It was reprehensible. Let's talk to Greg in Germantown. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you? Good. What do you think? I think she should be charged. I think if you assault an officer, be it before a water bottle at the officer, or you attempt to knee an officer, or she didn't attempt, she kneed the officer yeah. in the groin. Who knows what else she was going to do? Maybe she would have reached for his gun. Maybe she would have did this or that. Who knows? She assaulted an officer. She should be prosecuted for it. Um, spitting on a kid, that that's, you know, she's an attorney. She's an intelligent lady. Um, what she did was horrible. It was. You know, you would, again, you, you, you would think she should be charged. As far as the racial component, that's their job to figure out if they can prove it or not. And it's, it's pretty obvious race was the major role in her actions, but someone has to prove it. That's their job to do that. 
Okay, I'm, I'm curious as, as to why. why I, let me stop you there, because I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Okay. I, honest, I honestly don't know why do you why do you think that that race was the major component in, in this? I wouldn't she, say necessarily major, but it was a, it was a component. Okay, why? I'm, I'm curious why why do you think that? It, it clearly, the whole issue of these the whole issue of these protests were based on Black Lives Matter, pretty mm-hmm. obvious, and Black Lives Matter has to do with race. Okay, well, she if, if she spit outraged. on a, okay, if she spit on a white protester, would you feel the same way that was at that Black Lives Matter movement? That, yes, that I would. Yes, I would. She was she was angry because they're out there protesting the issue of Black Lives. I would I would feel that way. Yes. Okay, and I think that, that maybe, maybe that's the DA's theory. I think if, if that's the theory, it, it's going to kind of be tough. Uh, I I mean, look, if if I'm representing her. And I'm not. But if I were representing her, my my argument is, look, she's trying to get in this building. The protesters are blocking her. There is a confrontation. She's arguing with them. They're arguing with her. And and what did she do? Was was it appropriate? Well, of course, it wasn't appropriate. You know, you just in a civilized society, you don't spit on on other people. But I think the argument's going to be it, it wasn't racially motivated. It was she's in this argument with these people because they're they're in her way. And does it justify what she did? No, I, I just it is interesting to me. And I want to go back to where I started with this. This of all the different behavior, all the different criminal behavior that has occurred over the last couple weeks here. And again, I'm, I'm taking nothing away from the peaceful protests. But let's face it, there, there was a lot of other stuff that's going on. There were police officers that were assaulted. There were stores that were looted. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. Of all the different conduct that we've seen going on here, the, the one person whose name comes out of this that everybody's going to remember, at least for the short term, we have long, long term, we, 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 we tend to have you know, uh, short attention spans. But but the one person that almost everybody's going to know is, oh, that's Stephanie Rapkin. Yeah, that was that the 64-year-old lawyer from Shorewood who, who spit on the kid. That That's going to be the case that we all remember. And, and, and that's, I guess, well and good. But, you know, maybe we should also, you know, remember the people who were involved in looting and assaulting the police officers as well. Just saying. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. During the break, I was talking to Gru. I, I do think the the, the weather gods I, are, are just, they're out to kind of get us here. I, I was just saying earlier this week, I, I've been, one of the ways I have been filling my time during the pandemic is I, I've been trying to play more golf. And so my wife likes to play golf. And so we've been going out with friends. And so this week we were going to play Thursday, Tuesday, start off thir- just nine holes after work and then grab something to eat. So Tuesday, Get there. The tee time's like 10 after 4, 4 o'clock or whatever. Hit the first shot down the middle of the fairway. Who would have thunk? And then all of a sudden, it just starts to rain. And, you know, you're kind of looking at the radar, and it's just, it's, I mean, will I finish a round of golf in the rain? Yeah, but you're not going to start. It's just like, okay, so we, we bag it. So yesterday, now I'm watching the radar all day. And there, there's, they're saying, okay, there's going to be like some pop-up showers or something like this. So yesterday, got a 410 tee time. On the third hole, thankfully kind of by the clubhouse, and all of a sudden it starts to rain. Okay, well, we can play through a little rain. Then it starts to rain really hard, and then they start sounding the sirens for, like, lightning in the area. And if, you know, unless you're a complete idiot, 
you don't want to mess with lightning on the golf course. So you go in. So, all right, then we wait about 15 minutes later. The rain stops. They sound the all clear. We go back. We're going to finish. The, we're going to play a few more holes. And then, honest to God, five minutes later, it starts to pour rain again. And there's more lightning in the area, at which point in time, okay, bag it. So that's all right, because tomorrow's another day. We're supposed to play today. Well, there's no rain in the area, but it's it's 53 degrees. It's 53 degrees at our studios here, maybe warmer to the west, but that's not going to help me because I'm going to be playing kind of close to the lake. It's kind of like, all right, don't you understand that it is now the middle of June? People here in southeastern Wisconsin, we have we have been doing our best to socially distance, to try to keep our senses of humor as we deal with the pandemic and we deal with the different protests and things like that. The least you could do is give us some decent weather, and we really haven't had a lot of that. It's supposed to be in the 80s, I guess, by next week, but... That, that doesn't help me, doesn't help me right now, doesn't help us as we're going into the weekend. I, I've been watching, you know, Rusty was just talking about the stock market. Stock market, which just took a huge dump yesterday, dropped like the Dow dropped like 1,800 points. Um, it, it's been all over the map again today, a roller coaster. It opened, I want to say like up seven or 800 points at, at one point in time, and then then just took another nosedive and was down. It was up, but only up like less than 100. Now it's up 200 points, just all over, as, as investors just don't know, I think, what to make of of coronavirus and the pandemic and whether or not it's going to stall the economy or whether there's going to be an economic recovery or whatever. But um, stock market, just not for the faint of heart right now. Okay. I say a week ago or so on the program, we did a topic. There was a poll that had come out asking Americans, and the question was, do you think the country is out of control? And like 80% of the people said yes. Now, it, we, we don't know why they thought the country was out of control. It could be, oh, it, it's it's out of control because Donald Trump is the president. Or it could be it's out it's out of control and, and you know, we need more people supporting Donald Trump. So you, you don't know why they thought it was out of control, but they thought it was out of control. And, and we had a discussion about that. I, I think perhaps informed by that poll, New York Times has a story today. Um, they went out, and it's not a poll, but they just started they, they started asking ordinary people, you and me, about the, the future. And the, here's the headline. On the future, Americans can agree. The future does not look good. And here's the subheadline. Battered by a health crisis and fury about racial injustice, voters are mourning the past, worried about the presence, and fearful about what comes next. And they interview all these people who say the future doesn't look good. Huh. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How would you answer that question? If I were to ask you, matter of fact, I am asking you, you know, what what do you think about the future? How, how do you think the future looks, what would your answer be? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I, I raised this because somebody said to me the other day, gee, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm worried about the future for my grandchildren. And that, that's what they said. And, and my response was, I, I wouldn't be worried. I mean, we, we, we here in, in this country, we are a resilient lot. And, you know, we, we go through difficult times in some respects though because we have this 24 hours 24/7 news cycle 
Um, in, in some cases, some of those things are magnified. And clearly, we, we have issues that we have to deal with. But you know what? All generations have issues that they have to deal with. So let me just ask you the question. All right. Do, do you think, how do you view the future? And I guess specifically, do you think the future, quote unquote, doesn't look good? I don't buy that, but I want to discuss. We discuss that in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. During the break, just for kicks, I went to the website of every local TV station, 4, 6, 12, 58, because I was just kind of curious what, what story is leading. With everything going on in the world, with everything going on in the state, with everything going on locally, what is the dominant story? Website, which will probably mean that will be featured on the evening newscast. The dominant story, the 64-year-old woman who, who spat on the protester. That, that is the, the lead story, and everybody's, of course, running that awful mugshot. Um, it's just, and again, I, I, I acknowledge that it is a story, but okay, th- this is the biggest thing that is going on in the community right now. Huh. All right. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. What, what do you think about the future? Um, the New York Times interviews all these people. Everybody agrees the future doesn't look good. I. That's not me. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Good. I. I well, first of all, I think every, every generation's had to deal with this. You know, everything from the Industrial Revolution or like I told you, Skin, if you would have talked to somebody in the 60s, they would have thought, that's it, you know, it's over. Oh, you know, oh yeah, I mean, think of all, of all, all, when you had you had all the racial unrest and you had the protests oh, yeah. over the Vietnam War. The whole Absolutely. country is going to burn to the ground, yeah, and everybody's going to, you know, that type of thing. No, I mean, is, is the future going to be different? Yes. Um, but I think, is there going to be things that are bad? Of course there is, just like there is in every generation, you know, or every, you know, <clears throat> down the line. But for, I think for every for every bad, I think there's going to be good. That's going to be huge. You know, look at the look at the at the pace um, um, uh, technology is going. I mean, yeah. nobody imagined being able to walk around with a computer in their pocket. You know, yeah. I mean that type of thing, and and all the all the things that supported us. Does does bad come along with that? Yeah, you know, use social media. I don't think exactly the greatest thing from sliced bread, but mm-hmm. on the flip side, it has its good attributes too, as far as. You know the dem- dissemination of, of news that's needed to be heard quickly, you know, and things like that. So I mean, it's it's really <clears throat> there's certain things. Well, yeah, well, we mean, face no thanks for that. No, I believe that we we, face, we clearly we face challenges, but I and, and our our challenges in 2020 are unique from the challenges that people faced in in okay I, i'm old. i remember watergate 1964 the president of the united states is, is driven from office there's all this turmoil okay well you know the, the, there's those challenges then we were talking about the vietnam war i i wasn't alive during world war ii but i mean if you'd say to somebody you know following you know imagine the challenges you know following 1941 if you would go to people and say you know does the future what do you think about this i'm sure everybody would have said or at least a lot of people would say well i don't think the future looks good we, we're involved in this world war you you I guess every generation has a challenge. I appreciate that and and respect it. And certainly, we have challenges now. I mean, you're you're dealing with the pandemic. You're dealing with the racial unrest. You're dealing with the unsettled world that's out there. But those the, those challenges, while unique to 2020, are are not unique in other respects. I mean, you, you've had challenges that are similar to that in the past, and we've somehow always managed to get through. 
Let's talk to Fred in Milwaukee. Fred, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm I'm optimistic. Now, maybe that's just looking at stuff through rose-colored glasses, but I'm I'm optimistic. I I am optimistic also, but I'm I'm positive. Uh, yeah, I think the country will bounce back. It's bounced back before. They've had uh, big issues, and uh, we've gotten over them and moved on. And I think they're going to do the same thing this time. We'll get up big issues. We've had big issues. But it'll all get better. We'll move on. And I'm just going to let, let you go, enjoy your show, and I'll listen to you on the radio. Thank you have a you. wonderful day. You as well, Fred. Fred's so polite. That's great. I, I, I just love it. Fred, Fred, you send me some texts because some of the ones I get on the text line are not quite as polite, but that's okay. I'm, that's what I'm here for. But, no, I, I guess I, – I see, I, I agree. We, we have – challenges there, there's no question about it and some of the challenges will do a good job of solving some of the challenges will do a crummy job of solving but but in general i i come to work every day i wake up every day thinking okay the, the world is going to be a better place today than it was yesterday and sometimes that's wrong i i understand that and and, and things things will be different i mean things things were different in this world after 9-11 that that's just it. I mean, I can remember what, for example, air travel was like before 9-11. It's different after 9-11. I think after the pandemic subsides and the pandemic will subside uh, at, at some point in time. And I can't tell you if it's going to be three months from now or six months from now or two years from now. But it, it will it will subside. We'll either have herd immunity or we'll have a treatment or we'll have a vaccine. And, and this will, you know, 2020 and, you know, all the shutdowns and all these things will just be a, a kind of a bad dream. I believe that's going to happen. I believe businesses are, are going to come back. I believe that the economy is fundamentally strong, which isn't to say that I, I'm making any predictions at all about how quick the recovery is. I, I look at all the people that have lost their jobs over the course of the last couple months and all the businesses that have closed, and 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 that's not good, and that's going to be a challenge. Do I think it's going to come back at some point in time? Yeah. Can't tell you when exactly, but the future is a long, a long period. If you were saying short term, you know, Jeff, look in your crystal ball and say, you know, short term, are things going to get better or worse or stay the same over the next six months? Okay, that's one question. But if you're saying, the, Jeff, do you think the future looks good? Darn right I think the future looks good. Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. The future is so bright you have to wear sunglasses. <laughs> future of any, if the future are any brighter, I need to wear shades. That's that line, right? Right. Yeah, I, believe, I think you got it right. Um, I look at guys like Warren Buffett. You know, Warren Buffett is—he's got his finger on the pulse. And uh, guys like Warren Buffett don't don't bet against the country. They they are always uh, very uh, pro uh, future of America. Uh, they might dump individual sectors like uh, airlines. airlines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, people like Warren Buffett make money off of people that are always down and expecting things to go down the toilet and. Uh, I think we have a lot. This country is so structurally sound. The only thing that I would mention is, you know, maybe the debt. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, uh, we've, we've got so much in place with our Constitution and with our financial institutions that, you know, we're, we're going to be wonderful in the future. I, th- I, I, I think so, too, which isn't to say that we're. It's not to say that we don't have challenges because we, we, we do have challenges. But I, I tell you, I just think it would be so incredibly depressing to wake up every day and, and take the attitude of, 
oh, the, the whole world's going to hell, and it's, it's, that's not going to change, and there's nothing that anybody's going to be able to do about it, and the, the, you know, our, the lives of, for our kids or for our grandkids and all, they're, they're just, you know, what are we going to do? We, you know, people have been saying that for as long as I'm sure, I, people have been saying that I'm sure for as long as I'm, I was alive. Okay. You know, you, you had the, the revolution in music and dress and things like that and the social changes in, in, in the sixties. Oh my gosh, these kids, they're wearing long hair and they've got bell bottom pants and it's an era of free love and this is going to be the end of the world as we know it. Well, we'll know it, it, it wasn't. And then you go through one thing after another, which again isn't to say that there's not crises, but I, I think as a country, I think as a, as a people, we are very, very resilient. Heidi in Milwaukee. Heidi, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Jeff. Um, my, my opinion, and this is the 80% hit me, is that no matter what happens, and I happen to be optimistic, is that everybody hates change. So no matter what good, bad, or indifferent comes up, it's going to be a change and um, right. you know, different from what we know. It, it, and sure. it, all these instances you listed, same deal. But we, but we're resilient, and we do. We we roll with it. Right. You. Right. You, thanks for calling. Right. We 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 adapt. Just that there 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 are always there are always changes. I mean, I was tr- I was having a discussion with somebody the other day about that they were asking how ha- I mean, I've been doing a radio talk show for a long time now, and it was like how how has this changed over the years? And I just I I, I said, well, you know, the 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 whole, the whole internet. Has been this this driving force because when when I started doing this, yes, you you had an internet, but it wasn't it it wasn't what it is now. And I mean, I I can remember I used to scramble to find try to find hard copies of a of a couple newspapers and stuff at some of those newspaper boxes to get ideas from you know a, a, around the the you know around the country or you know some international stories and things like that and, and you'd be dependent on that. Well, now you you've got the internet and I, and I said I prepare for my show so I sit down the night before the program and I spend a couple hours. My wife calls it doing my homework, but you know you've got this entire range of information that is available to you. We are arguably, you know, more informed now than ever. And and if you would have asked me back, you know, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, did, did you did you see that coming? My answer would be no. Did you know, 40 years ago, if you would have asked me, did you see this idea where we would all be walking around and we would have not not only phones that we carried in our pocket, but we essentially had the mini computers that, that we carried in our in our pocket. And and they'd be affordable and they'd be accessible. And I'd say, no, we, we just didn't see that coming. I, I don't know what the next innovation is going to be, but that's one of the exciting things. We don't know what that next big idea is going to be. And and yeah, I, I, I would never answer this question, you know, I'm afraid that the I that I think that, that the future doesn't look good. We do get caught up in in temporal stuff. By that I mean, I, I understand there's, there, there's, we all have trouble looking beyond like that next week or the next month. And I understand anytime there's an election season, we, we've got all this angst that's out there about how your candidate might lose or your other, your candidate might not win or, or whatever that that's going to be. And we all think, okay, it's going to be the end of the world if so-and-so wins or so-and-so doesn't. And the, the truth is, I mean, I've seen, Lots of different presidents, for example, come and go. And, you know, but 
but you know the country goes on and sometimes are better than others but at the same time again we're resilient the the, the country goes on i don't mean to pollyanna about this but i just don't want to wake up every day sitting there thinking oh my gosh the, the future just doesn't look good i refuse to buy that and i refuse to get caught up in all right, you turn on the nightly news, you turn on the cable news channels, and, and you see the, the COVID-19 numbers. Oh, my gosh, the world is coming to an end. Um, or you see the, again, the, the, you, the, the riots or the looting or the protests or whatever, and you don't see an end to that. And where is this all going to come out? Well, it, it we, we get through all this stuff. At least we historically have gotten through all this stuff, and I don't think this experience is going to be much different. Okay, when we come back, speaking of getting through things, uh, Milwaukee County implements a very controversial, at least in the mind of some, mask policy. We're going to talk about whether that is still necessary and what it means. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Let's get right to it. Uh, one of the, the things that's become very, very controversial as we deal with recovering from the economic problems caused by the pandemic has been the whole idea of, of face masks. Uh, originally, you will recall, the World Health Organization said face masks aren't necessary, that they, they don't find that it does anything to significantly prevent the transmit of transmission of COVID-19. Uh, the, the World Health Organization has now moved away from that and said, you know, wear masks. And, of course, the Center for Disease Control says that, that you wear masks as well. Milwaukee County has enacted what they call a universal mask policy. So here, here is the deal. Um, the policy requires all employees, contractors, vendors, volunteers, service users, and members of the public who are entering county facilities to wear a face covering. So if you're going inside into one of those those buildings, you have to have a face mask on. Now, if you are getting on, and there was a little bit, I, I think there was some misunderstanding early on about this, and there was some misreporting by some media outlets. Um, my understanding is that the face masks are not required on on buses. They are highly recommended at facilities that are outdoors, uh, that are outdoors. They are highly recommended um, they're highly recommended for, like, for example, the, the buses and things like that. But I don't believe that they are required for that. Um, but, but this is creating a, an issue that is now out there about what, what do you do with, with people? And, and th- this doesn't apply to being outside in Milwaukee County. It applies to being, to entering county buildings, county facilities, et cetera, et cetera. But they are essentially saying you've got to wear a face mask. And again, there, there are certain exceptions to that, but they're saying you've you got to wear a face mask. Some communities in California have similar sort of policies. Other communities don't. And there's been like this, this huge blowback of them. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, we've discussed this at, at times over the last few weeks. Uh, we are reopening. That is a good thing. I think that there's a lot of us. And for example, for me, 
I, if I go into, lots of times I go, I wear, I carry a face mask with me. And if I go into stores, which I don't do that often, um, I, I generally will wear a face mask, not, more often it's just kind of a gesture of respect towards the, the people that are working there and have to wear the face mask. So I went into a pharmacy, um, last weekend put on the face mask, went into the grocery store a couple days ago, wore, wore the face mask. I, so I, I'll, I'll do things like that. I'm, but I admit I'm not obsessive about it. Um, I will I will go out to eat and I'll sit on patios and I'm not, obviously if you're going out to eat, you're not wearing face masks and things of that like, but I, I, I'll do it. I just, I don't necessarily do it all the time. We saw the protests over the course of the last two weeks, some people wearing face masks, but large numbers of people in large gatherings, and I wouldn't get near a large gathering right now, you know, not wearing face masks. So 855-616-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Where are you on the face mask issue? Does the county, should the county be going further and saying, okay, all all outdoor spaces in the county, people should be wearing masks? Have they gone too far? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Yeah, Milwaukee County's policy on face masks essentially is that if you're going into any county facility, any building you have to wear a face mask. Outside, on county grounds, it's recommended, but highly recommended, but not mandatory. So if you're going to a beer garden, for example, you don't have to have a face mask on. It kind of defeats the purpose of going to the, the, the beer garden. Um, don't have to wear a face mask on a Milwaukee County bus, although it's highly recommended. Don't have to wear a face mask at the airport, although it's highly recommended. And keep in mind, a lot of airplane, airlines are, are saying you have to wear face masks as a condition of flying. Jeff, here's a couple texts before we go to the phones. I think wearing a mask indoors in close proximity to others makes sense, but communities that mandate wearing one everywhere outside, including examples of like hiking, are imposing unreasonable restrictions. Um, Jeff, I think face masks are a waste of time. People can wear them if they want, but do they literally, I think they literally serve no purpose at all. Um, Jeff, let's see. Um, Jeff, I've been hearing research stating that people that are not showing symptoms um, then they are more often than not not contagious. Have you heard this as well? Yeah, we've talked about this for the last couple of days. The, on Monday, somebody who works at the World Health Organization, in answer to a question, says, you know, our, our research tells us that people who are asymptomatic – that is, not showing any symptoms, it, it is rare that one of those people would pass on COVID-19. And then, of course, there, there was this huge uproar and, and who kind of the World Health Organization sort of backed off on that a little bit. But to me, th- that's, that is a game changer. And that, that's one where we, it should be researched because the whole justification for face masks, the justification for lockdowns, all that has been people who don't know they're sick can be out in public and they can be infecting other people. If if it is true that that's rare, then then it's a game changer because then you concentrate on okay the people that have that have temperature that have fevers the people that have coughs the people that are showing symptoms you you concentrate on those people and isolating them as opposed to worrying about isolating everybody else who's otherwise healthy I don't know what the answer is but it's a big deal Gianni and Montello you're on WTMJ good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, a, a great great topic revisited. Hey, my first introduction to masks was back in the 90s when I, I, I lived in Japan for a while. And um, 
as an American, I, I thought, what is this? Why are these people walking around with masks over their face? And, um, you know, at the time, it, rem- it remained kind of uh, almost something out of the twilight zone. But I see now that um, uh, the masks are effective in, in preventing the spread, not only of bacteria, but of, but of viruses when you cough and sneeze. Um, you know, when I go to the doctor's office in, in the seasonal flu season, you know, they, they want me to put on a mask if I have flu symptoms, which I do. So th- there must be some, uh, uh, you know, correlation between wearing a mask and spreading the virus um, in the air when you cough and sneeze. It's just, uh, it, you know, the, while the viruses are smaller, the, 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 they're containing water droplets, and those get filtered into the mask and don't go out Jenny, into I'm the uh, Gianni, I'm the curious. If, if, if it turns out, and this is an if, but if it turns out that, that asymptomatic people because your example said, hey, if, if I've got the flu, you know, they, they want me wearing the mask. Or, you know, if I don't feel right. well, they want me wearing the mask. If it turns out that asymptomatic people really don't transmit the virus, does the need to wear a mask go away? Um, I, I don't think so, Jeff, because I think you will have people with symptoms that will will continue to go out because that's what Americans like to do. But you, you're asking a hypothetical. Oh, right. Um, I, I would be surprised if, if that occurs because uh, while I'm not a virologist, I, I think you can you can you can contract the flu, and um, probably spread the virus before you're on your back in your bed with a fever. Okay. So it's probably just a good policy. And listen, hey. Um, Outside, I, I don't have too big of a problem with not wearing masks. If you're on the beach, if you're eating on a, you know, uh, outside of a restaurant or something. But once you go into a public building like a store or uh, an office mm-hmm. or um, let, let's say you work at a meat plant, yeah. um, my goodness, um, the, the mask, I agree, is very inconvenient. But if it's going to check the spread of this virus, um, we, we need to do it. Because, hey, look, we're looking at the autumn here and just to you know, four months. And if we don't, um, if we don't get a handle on this thing, I think we're in trouble in, in October. Well, thanks for calling you. I, I hope, I, I mean, I hope you're wrong. I guess I, I mean, there is a balance. I am not one of these people who militantly say, well, I have my rights. I'm never going to wear a face mask. I, I'm, I'm just not. I, I don't, I don't know that I'm as on board as some people are about how this is going to be some sort of magic bull. I, I actually think you're kind of better off just maintaining the social distancing and, and things of the like. And from a workplace perspective, I think you're going to see like a lot of the temperature checking and things like that. Just saying, okay, if anybody's got any sort of symptoms, let's start with that. If, if wearing a mask makes people feel more comfortable, especially in the indoor settings, I, I'm okay with that. Like I say, I, I carry one. I, I do it from time to time as much as a, a just out of a gesture of respect, because I, 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 I'm relatively confident that I do not have COVID-19. I don't have coronavirus. And, and I, but as a gesture of respect, if the people behind the counter at the pharmacy or that are working at the checkout line, if, if they have to wear those, then, then I can wear it. It's okay. I, I don't view it as a major imposition. Now, obviously, I don't wear a mask when I go to the golf course. I don't wear a mask when I'm driving in my car. I don't wear a, a mask when I am sitting outdoors and eating because you, you just, you can't do that. You can't engage in that particular activity there. So I, I, I don't do it. Do, do I have a problem with the county's policy? I, I guess no, because as the way I understand it, it applies 
it's voluntary up until the time that you enter buildings. And so to that extent, it's no different than Costco saying, you know, you, you've got to wear a mask if you want to come in here or, or whatever the, the different, you know, big box retailers are. If they want to have that policy, they, they have it. Beer gardens, if we were talking about outdoors and beer gardens and things like that, it would kind of be like, well, what, what are you going to be do? Be like be drinking, you got your stein of beer and you're going to be drinking it through a straw. You know, how exactly is that going to work? Whether... Whether this, I see one of two things is going to be hap- is going to happen as we talk about the future. Either the masks are going to moving forward. It's going to it's it's either going to be a societal norm. You know, I, I mean, I've told this story before. You, if you travel a bunch, um, or let's say you go to Las Vegas, and, and there's a large number of of Asians who have traveled from from Asia who who go to Las Vegas. That's just you know one of the things you see. It is not uncommon at all to be walking through Las Vegas casinos, and you will see people presumably from China or maybe Japan. I don't know, but who who are wearing face masks as a matter of course. That's just the normal thing for for them. So I think one of the things that's going to be interesting to see over the next year or two is whether this becomes commonplace and, and Americans just routinely in public in closed public places decide that they're they're going to wear when we were face masks, it's either going to go that way or we're going to determine that, well, actually, the face masks really don't make much difference in preventing the spread of disease and germs and they're not worth the effort. I don't know how that's all going to come down, but that is going to be something that I, I think is going to bear watching. And I wouldn't be surprised, just like I think we're going to have societal changes. I mean, I've mentioned this before. I, I, I carry a little bottle of, of hand sanitizer with me all the time and five or six times a day after I touch different surfaces or whatever I, I I wash my hands because I have this habit of touching my face and so can't stop the habit of touching my face but I can you know try to make sure that my my hands are as germ-free as possible I don't see me changing that behavior it's kind of become just a norm for me just like for previous generations, you know, seatbelts always used to be voluntary. Believe it or not, the seatbelts, you used to be able to decide whether you wanted to put a seatbelt on and buzzers didn't go off and cars, the lights didn't flash it and things like that. People got into the habit of wearing seatbelts. And so now for most people, it's, it's just, it's a habit. For me, the hand sanitizer is going to be a habit moving forward. Face masks, don't know. This is Jeff Wagner.